Welcome to another edition of Philly Prime. I'm Dave Schratweiser. We're back talking about the 25th anniversary of the takedown of former mob boss, Philly mob boss, John Stanfa. We have some of the top experts that worked on this investigation and reported about this investigation. Jim Marr from the FBI, who headed Squad One, the organized crime squad. Barry Gross, who was one of the lead prosecutors in the Stanfa prosecution. Uh, a member of the strike force in the U.S. Attorney's Office, where he worked for 24 years, and my good friend and partner in crime here, George Anastasian. Everybody knows him. I don't have to tell you about his background, but George, you got a good question to start, start off this second this second show here. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, I mean, last time we talked about the the, the tapes and how effective they were. I'd like to focus this time on the the three witnesses, the cooperating witnesses, John Vesey, Phil Coletti, and Rosario Belocchi, How important they were, and how do you deal with? Guys that come to the table with a lot of baggage to begin with. And I guess of, of those three, I think the, the best witness and, and the most fascinating witness was John John Vesey, uh, a one-of-a-kind kind of guy. But I, uh, let's talk about that. I mean, when do you decide, yeah, we can use this guy? And then what, what are the pratfalls? What are you looking for and worried about when you, when you take on a guy like that? Jim, go ahead. Well, I think the first and foremost— you have to make sure that this guy is telling you the absolute truth and he's telling you everything. He's not concealing. He's not hedging. He's not trying to uh, explain away his own behavior. He's telling it like it is. He's telling everything. So there are no surprises for lawyers in court. And, uh, and that his, his story, uh, because people don't like to, to believe them, his story needs to have some corroboration. As right. much corroboration as you can possibly get. Uh, that's that's the way we approached it. And I think uh, Barry uh, will agree. I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, um, look, it, it, it was. You know, I think you know the story, George. You you wrote about it. It was uh, December thirtieth, uh, nineteen ninety three. It was right before lunchtime. Uh, not many people were working that day, and and I, I got a call from uh, John's brother Billy, uh, who I never met. Um, picks up the phone, and he said to me, uh, "My brother's here. You know who? You, I know you guys have been looking at him, John Vesey." Said he killed for John Staff, and he's not going to kill anymore. When can you meet him? How about and now? I right. Said, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, how quickly can you be here? Right. And he was uh, in our office at 615 Chestnut Street on the seventh floor, and maybe 10, 12 minutes later, um, Paul Hayes came over. Remember, Bob Courtney was at home. I, I don't know how many speeding uh, uh, speeding laws he broke, but he, but he seemed to have gotten to the office in 10 minutes. Uh, Jim, I think you were there. Uh, it was just a blur. And as soon as he walked in and as soon as he opened his mouth, I thought, this is it. it it's, it's, it's over. It, it's over for Stamp and these guys. Jim, what was going uh, through, what was going through your mind, uh, at that meeting, uh, when you first meet John Vesey and, and he's going to come on board like that, or he's at least thinking about it. And now he's offering up some information, things like that. What, what are you thinking? I'm, I don't remember. I, I, I might not be there. I don't know whether I was there or not. I, I don't. Well, let's I say don't, when you first meet him. And, yeah. But one of the things about John Beasy, remember, is the day he was scheduled to take the witness stand. Yep, right there. Uh, to, to scare him off the stand, they killed his brother. 
Billy Vesey, the guy who brought him to the to, to the yeah. U.S. Attorney's right. Office. Brother Billy. The net effect of them killing Billy was to steal Johnny Vesey's resolve to make sure that he testified well and accurately about these people so that they could pay for it. Don't you agree, Barry? That, that instead of dissuading him, it, it made him even a better witness. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, absolutely. Uh, it, it was. Um, it was sort of bone chilling, you know, when it happened that, you know, um, you know, Billy, uh, when that happened, you know, Billy was doing the right thing, trying to save his younger brother. Uh, and, uh, and I agree with John, uh, with, excuse me, with Jim, that it just made John stronger and stronger. And I mean, it was, it was just sort of an, just a, an awful, horrible, horrible thing. Well, one of the, the irony in all of that, and because I remember reporting on this, is the supposition was this was Stanford organization retaliating because John John Vesey was cooperating. In fact, the shooting came from Merlino and that crew, the Merlino crew. And it, it was a kind of ironic that they were using a situation to take out somebody who was they perceived as a Stanford guy. It was this whole brother against brother kind of thing, and a part of the soap opera that was this whole case. But yeah, I mean, I think John John became a much stronger witness because of what happened to his brother. The irony is, what happened to his brother didn't come from Stanford; it came from the other side. Yeah, and it, funny, I was on a, I was on a plane in the L.A. airport coming back from covering the O.J. Simpson trial when we got a call from Fox in Philadelphia saying that. Billy Vesey had just been murdered, John Vesey's yeah. uh, brother. And uh, I was with Brad now at the time, my cameraman, and we were stunned to hear that and then couldn't wait to get back to Philadelphia to find out what was this all about? I mean, what happened here? And, and I would assume, Jim, when it first happened, did you think this was coming from the Stanford group to try and silence John John? Or did you kind of have an inkling this came from somewhere else? I, I have to say that I thought it came... From from the Stanford group. Yeah, we all uh, did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. I I just was. Uh, I can remember I was going to court that day, and uh, uh, I was going to bring my daughter into this watch the proceedings. And of course, I had to cancel the, the proceedings because yeah. I was the witness. Uh, but I I just don't remember, Dave. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Barry, so, What were you oh, thinking? <laughs> Well, I, I can just, I mean, I can say this. It was the biggest disappointment in my career and maybe my life that I was the lead prosecutor in the Molino case and that murder was charged and we were not able to convict someone. That haunts me to this day. I had a responsibility to Billy Vesey and John Vesey and, you know, George and, and Dave and Jim and Everybody who went through the Molino case, you know what happened. You know how the how the judge changed the law in the middle, the jury deliberations. And that's why I believe no one was ever convicted, because the judge is now deceased, literally changed the law. And it was wrong, and the Court of Appeals said it was wrong. And because of that, you know, the people who, who killed Billy um, got off and, and you know, um, walked the street today. I that did a book with John Vesey, and on his chest is tattooed in memory of his brother. George, when, you, when the hit went down, 
What were you thinking? You're in the courtroom. You you hear we're canceling court for the day. We know about, about the murder. Who were you thinking that came from? Well, everybody thought it was coming from Stanford. This yeah. was this was typical of the way Stanford operated, yeah. and it fit with his 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 way of operating. And I think that that's almost the Machiavellian point of it is that this is coming from the other side. But it everybody assumes it's Stanford that does it. The and it made Vizi a stronger witness. Yeah. In in his mind, he might have thought it came from Stanford, and it made him a stronger witness. And 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 again, ironically, it's the way the other side was able to kind of stick it up Stanford's nose yeah. by doing. That uh, and the the collateral damage is Billy Vesey. Billy Vesey, who set this in motion and who brought his brother in and who tried to do the right thing by his brother. Yeah. I mean, that's you know. And the other thing about Vesey and Coletti, the tandem, those two guys roaming around South Philadelphia trying to shoot people. people yeah. It's a it's a scary. I mean, sca- funny but scary. I and mean, it was a black comedy when the, you know and and yeah. the hit on Mikey Chang and Joey uh, at, at Sixth and Catherine and and the. You know, the bombs planted under Merlino's car in Old City. I mean, it just was a crazy, crazy time. And I remember going out to Coletti's house in Glassboro, where apparently they had detonated a sample bomb by the railroad tracks out there. It, it, and, and then, you know, you talk about Coletti, then you got to bring in Brenda, the wife, which is a whole nother story. I mean, yeah. you, Barry said it earlier, you couldn't make this up any better in terms of a, a, the narrative than the way it played out. It just was fascinating. And can I can I ask the two of you guys, um, do you remember when you kind of figured out that it wasn't Stanford that did this? Is that much later or is that at any time during the trial we're starting to say, hey, this doesn't look like it came from the Stanford camp? Or is that much later? I, you know, uh, I can say this. I mean, for me, uh, I didn't figure out because, you know, after Billy was killed, I mean, the resolve, I mean, it just made us more resolved. But, you know, this was the beauty of this case. And this was the beauty of the evidence that the agents had put together because the trial was shut down. I think, you know, we thought it was coming from the Stanford side and everybody was running around, what are we going to do? And, we had this witness was, um, who had worn a wire against Gaetano Scafidi, Horsehead, uh, and a, somebody else, who was the last guy in the world you ever would have thought would have cooperated. And he cooperated. I remember prepping him in another city with the marshals. And we walked, this guy was so scary that when he and I walked in the restaurant with the agent. It looked like people were ducking, thinking he was going to rob the place. But what happened was he wore a wire against these guys. And the next piece of evidence that we put on, I put on with him and the tapes that the FBI had gotten two days later after this horrible murder, was these guys talking about, and it was Al... Pagano, who was taped, Al Pajamas. Uh, And Al Pagano said, you know, if Stanford goes away, he he pointed to Frank Martinez, he's going to be number one and I'm going to be number two. And you talk about, you know, because we thought it was the murder had come from the Stanford side. The best piece of back at you evidence ever that we were able to put that witness on and play that tape. And the jurors, I mean, I think everybody in the room was like, wait, you have more? You have more evidence? Yeah. Uh, and that's the type of case it was. It, it was just, if there was ever any doubt what had happened, 
here we have the underboss and a capo talking about what's going to happen if Stanford boss goes. goes. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and there was the whole RICO because you have to show the hierarchy and the organization. Here it is. They're saying, well, he's going to be the number one. He's going to be the number two. And, and to give perspective to those two guys, those are the two guys who Lord Vizi to the apartment where they tried to kill him. There's Martinez and Pagano. I mean, everything interconnected here. It was, it's just, just was an amazing, amazing story. And John John gets shot in the head and, and runs— Survives. Knifes them and runs out of the place. Yeah. It, it, it's— You can't make this survives. stuff up. He's, he's thrown in the back of a police van, right. and the radio operator is, I think, calling Jefferson, saying we have a DOA <laughs> on the way to Jefferson. Yeah. And John, and I won't use his language, said, I'm not— yeah. Dead yet. <laughs> hey, let me ask all, all three of you guys. Let me ask you all, all three of you. Um, uh, you've all been involved in a lot of cases. George has covered a lot. Barry prosecuted a lot. Jim, you made a lot from the FBI. Rank John Vesey for me, from my perspective, sitting in the courtroom and from working on a book about him and talking to him about all the things he's been through in, in his life. Uh, he might have been one of the best witnesses to take the stand in, in Philadelphia. He wasn't a mob boss. He wasn't a underboss. He wasn't ha to have any kind of high rank. I think he'd only been to Stanford crew for months uh, when he decided to cooperate, but he brought the hammer. He brought the hammer. And when he got back on that stand on that Monday after the break, it was uh, a pretty incredible stuff. George and I were sitting there. Amazing the job he did under withering cross-examination as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? He, he was not sophisticated enough to get tangled up in the cross because he was just telling the story and it never changed. And it was like it's like sitting on a street corner talking to a guy. He, he didn't have enough guile. He wasn't that kind of—his personality wasn't as such. Now, in terms of ranking as a witness, I think he was one of the best. I think Leonetti was another really great go. witness. Yep. And in the early days, I think Caramondi and Del Giorno did, did, did an amazing job in, the, in the Scarfo case. But, yeah, John John— I came across genuine. I think that's the best way to say it. He was genuine. You may not like what he did. He certainly was a gangster. He certainly was a thug. He certainly was a murderer. But when he was up on that witness stand, he was telling the truth, and I don't think there was any way to get around that. Jury was captivated. Remember their faces. They were so yeah. into it. Jim, you're, you're ranking him. If you want to rank him, you don't have to if you don't want to, but just give us your opinion on, on John John. He was a good witness. Uh, I agree with uh, with George. You know, we had a lot of good witnesses. Yeah. We had, uh, and uh, I would defer to, to Barry's judgment on the witnesses yeah. because he, he's the one who had to uh, uh, <laughs> prep for trial, yeah. Yeah. Uh, get around all their uh, their warts, uh, and uh, you know I, I thought John was a good witness. I thought Phil Leonetti was a good witness. I think we, as you say, we've had a lot of good witnesses, George. And yeah. uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I would say this: Bob Courtney was the one who who, who prepped them from our side and prosecuted. I mean, we were all involved. Bob did a terrific job. But why John Beasy was such a terrific witness is because so many witnesses get up and they want to make themselves look better. Yeah. They want to say, I'm a killer, but yes, I'm not really the monster that I appear to be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a monster, but, 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 but. And that's the way sort of Phil Coletti was yeah. and Rosario Conti Bellocci yeah. was and so many other witnesses. But John was unvarnished. This is who I am. Yes, I uh, 
I was approached and I agreed to kill a human being for $300. And yes, I shot him. And yes, I shot the guy coming out of the diner. This is what I did. And yes, I used the drill. And he didn't try to say I'm a good person. I mean, he just said, this is what I, and he, there was never an excuse from John. There was never, these guys forced me to. I had a horrible upbringing. I had, which he did all of yeah. these things. I was a drug. It was none of that. It was like, I did it. This is who I am. And I'm not trying to say I'm a good person or anything else. I'm telling you what I did. I have a funny thing from the, from him testifying on cross, but George, I'll let you go first, then I'll tell the funny little bit that I thought was the 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 real kind of put him away line from him on cross examination from Brian McMonagle. You probably remember what it was, but go ahead, George. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in combination with Coletti, there were two different kind of witnesses, but in combination, I think they presented the story that he, you needed to present to the to the jury. Absolutely. Uh, cross examination by Brian McMonagle. He's waving around a three hundred two from John and approaches the witness stand and. Says to uh, John Vesey, Mr. Vesey, um, it says here in your FBI 302, for those who don't know what that is, that's basically their testimony to the FBI that they use to come into court and make them a witness, get probable cause and all that kind of thing. Um, and uh, Brian McMonagall approaches him on the stand and says, Mr. Vesey, it says right here that you used to take your Rottweilers, the two dogs that he had, which had very interesting names, George, I'm sure you can remember them. Frank Nitty and Al Capone. Yeah. There you go. And you would you go across the street from your home to the park and feed live chickens to your dogs? And John looked up and he said, no. And Brian McMonagall said, oh, wait a minute. It says here in your 302 that that's what you told the FBI you did. And John John said, that's what it says. And he says, so somebody's lying. Either the FBI got it wrong or you're lying. And he said, no, no. You're wrong on both accounts. Jury's looking at him. They're waiting to hear the line. And he says, it wasn't chickens. It was roosters. And I remember people in the courtroom were laughing. Yeah. And the jury actually was chuckling. Even the judge, I think, cracked a smile on that line. But you talk about his genuineness, yeah. even to that point where someone's accusing him of a kind of horrible thing, too, feeding live chickens to a dog. He corrects him and yeah. says... Roosters. Yeah. I mean, he was impossible to cross-examine. I yeah. mean, uh, he was wearing a suit. Probably the only time in his life he wore a yeah. suit. And there was, and there's always a debate. Do you put him in a, a witness in a suit because it sort of shows his respect to the jury? But the guy doesn't wear a suit. That type of thing. Or be trying to dress him up. And he had these horn-rimmed glasses yeah. that yeah. made him look like a professor. Right. And Brian, again, he was a terrific cross-examiner. Uh, was and he said, and Mr. Vesey, you never wore a suit. The FBI gave you a suit, and you never wore horn rimmed glasses before. And John looked at yeah. him and said, You're right, counselor. I didn't need glasses until your client, Frank Martinez, shot me in the back of the head. Yeah, that was classic. There you I go. mean, what can you do? Yeah. Like, right you, can there. Do, you can go back to your seat, which yeah. is what he did, yeah. <laughs> which is what Brian did. Yeah. And I looked over at Brian, and I was thinking, Oh my God, yeah. what do you do? What do you, and, it, and it came off as, you know, some people would have thought it could have come off as cocky by VZ, but it was like, this is who I am. Yeah. I'm unvarnished. 
It was street corner. It was just street corner. That's Talk what about Col- Coletti, George, because he was, he was John John's sidekick. He's in the car driving with John John yeah, when, when, they, he, when they approach Merlino and, John, and Michael yeah, they, Changlini. They shoot Mikey Chang and Joey Merlino. And they okay. kill Michael Changlini, yeah. and Joey gets wounded, uh, recovers. There's a funeral. There's all kinds of open warfare now on the street because now we've killed Michael Changlini and all that. And Coletti... As a witness in the, in the case, what were your impressions of him as a witness? He he was a little more like Barry talked about, a little more cagey. Exactly, I think I good. think Coletti was trying to be a little too slick, and I think if you hadn't had Vizi, Coletti, his testimony wouldn't have been as, as effective. That's why I said when you had both of them, it, it helped one helped the other, but Vizi more than Coletti. Coletti was I, more like what Barry was talking about. You know, I, well, he was a plumber at one point. I think he was from South Philadelphia, and he he came across as a slickster. But because you had the story. That, he was cooperating John John. Uh, I, I think he he was an effective witness, not as effective as John John. And then you had Brenda, yeah. who was a whole nother. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we could do a whole show I, I don't know that. how you deal with Brenda. That yeah. was just a whole nother story yeah. entirely. Yeah. Jim, your thoughts on, on Phil Coletti as a, as a witness and uh, cooperator? Well, I, I, I don't remember that much of it. I, but uh, I, I do remember that uh, we, we did put Brenda up. Uh, in an apartment, and uh, down the shore, right? Was it down the shore? Down, down yeah, the shore, well, right? And uh, on uh, on her way back uh, to the apartment, uh, she got arrested for shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> that, that says it all. There you go. Right. right. So we could. I said to. I got a whole. It was it was our apartment, uh, and uh, we went down and we cleaned out the apartment, changed the locks on the door. Oh, and she got a telephone too in her own name, and uh, basically we rejected her. Uh, and then she came to the office and uh, wanted to pick up her stuff and wanted to do it on her terms. Uh, she wanted anyway. Uh, yeah. Brenda was Brenda. She also, she also came to Fox Twenty Nine, Jim, which you didn't know about at the time, and tried to peddle her story yeah. and Phil's story and John John's yeah. story. And uh, she was uh, quite convincing, but also very cagey and very slick. And oh, uh, we took her with a grain of salt. Barry, uh, your thoughts on on Phil Coletti as a witness? Well, Phil was, you know, exactly as as George said. You know, I did this, but I did this, but. But Phil also had one of the great, uh, set up one of the great lines I've ever seen in a courtroom. Again, it happened to Brian McMonagle's client. And and Brian was, in my mind, the best defense attorney in any of his cases and the best defense attorney I've ever gone against. And as honest uh, and as ethical as can be, uh, but a terrific lawyer. And so his client was Frank Martinez. Frank, for whatever reason, because they could pick whatever clothes, he would insist on wearing these like bright red, like a ketchupy sport jacket, <laughs> yeah. a mustard sport jacket, right. really be dressed to the nines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brian was cross, cross examining. Actually, I don't even know if it was Brian who was cross examining. Somebody was really getting into Coletti. And Coletti then said, referring to to you know, John being shot in the back of the head by Martinez with uh, Al Pajamas, Al Pagano being there, said, these guys are terrible. They're so, you know, they're so evil. You know, Frank Martinez even shot his best friend, meaning John right, Beasley. Yeah, I remember this. And, Martini, and Martinez jumps Jump, up yeah. and says, and points to Coletti, 
John Vesey was never my best friend. <laughs> yeah, not, not I didn't shoot him. Yeah. He was just never my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's just in the middle of the trial. Yeah, yeah. I remember and I that. remember looking over at Brian. I mean, everybody was stunned, and the jurors were like, and, and it, it was just, it was so much evidence in this case. Yeah, yeah. That, These guys not only convicted themselves on the tapes, but with stunts like that. Yeah. And, and that trial was littered with moments like that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I Sometimes, uh, you know, the testimony was good and the evidence was good, but th those some of those antics stole the day. They would be the top of the story. You know, George is always great for, like, dropping a nice little nugget at the top, right? Sucks you in with it, and then he gives you the rest of the story for the day. But it's always... The, the little twister moment there. And you had plenty and of variety. Sometimes you had multiple then. choices absolutely. and you didn't know what to go with. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys. It was, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, I was I was just going to say that yeah. it was, uh, yeah, you're right. It was, uh, things happened during that trial that uh, we've never seen before. Hey, guys, yeah. um, we're going to wrap up uh, part two. We're going to go to part three next week, and we're going to talk about some interesting things. It's kind of the stuff that was going on on the street leading up to the trial and the impact of this trial on the mob in Philadelphia in the uh, days and years after right. that. We're going to do that next time around. Folks, I want to thank you for listening. That's this week's edition of Philly Prime. Come back again, and uh, round three next week. Don't miss it.